turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Um, there are some verses that I've been holding on to in this chapter and um, just letting God use speak to me. And um, I wasn't even thinking about it the other day when I went to read this chapter that those verses are found here. But um, as I begin to read them, God just spoke to me again as he has been and then led me into some other things. And so let's pray that the Lord can speak to all of you as well as he, as he has been to me. Um, my notes brought up here. So Proverbs chapter 3, starting at verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel, and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord the, with all thy substance, and with the first fruits of all thine increase. And so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Man, how many of us want to you know, acknowledge God in all of our ways? I think most of us do. Uh, that's when, when we acknowledge him in, in everything, uh, it means everything. Uh, I was thinking about it, you know, I don't think that means to pray about every single little decision you make, like, oh, what am I going to eat for lunch today, you know, and pray about, oh, God, should I eat this or that? I don't think it means like that, but just when, when in everything you're doing, you're giving God that room to speak to you, no matter what it is you're doing. Uh, I think it was Brother Wright who said it, um, but he, he's made a statement that if you're doing something that God can't speak to you while you're doing it, then it's probably a good sign that you shouldn't be doing that. Um, and so that's just what I think of acknowledging him in, in all my ways is that no matter what I'm doing, I'm acknowledging God. Here I am. I'm waiting on you. No matter what I'm doing, I'm giving you that room to be speaking to me in this time that no matter what I'm doing, I'll put it down if it's what you desire for me to do so that you can begin to speak to me and just waiting on him. And it speaks as being not wise in your own eyes. Obviously, we can think a lot of things are wise, but the Lord knows truly what is. Um, and it talks some of the benefits. It'll be health and marrow to thy bones and says to honor him with our substance, with the first fruits of all of our increase. And, you know, the barns will be filled with plenty. The presses shall burst out with new wine. That sounds like wonderful things. Uh, in verse 11, it says, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. Man, and then if we could turn to Hebrews chapter 12. So as I just said there, to despise not the chastening of the Lord. The Lord chastens or correcteth those that he loves. Then in, pro or in Hebrews chapter 12, starting at verse 1, probably going to read quite a bit here. And, and as I was reading this at home and Studying this, I was thinking, I was like, man, I don't want to use too many scripture, but I guess that's not a bad thing since that's, that's the reason we're here and his, his word won't return void. So in Hebrews 12, verse 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, 
and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Man, in Proverbs, where it said to, in all our ways, acknowledge him, and then I see here in Hebrews, where it says to lay aside every weight and everything that besets us, I've when I read that, I think of, you know, making room for God in everything, to not let anything hinder what God is wanting to do in us. And uh, a few weeks ago, I think my dad referenced it, that him and I were listening to a teaching, and um, the the guy who was speaking, he made a reference to how people nowadays will, will change the word of God to fit what's comfortable for them, to fit what makes them feel better, and how a statement that goes around is, well, if, if you feel peace with believing that, then, you know, you can go ahead and believe that, and that's okay, and if that's, if that's what you want to believe the Word is saying, then that's okay, and obviously we know that's not true, because what the Word says is truth, and we can't change it or twist it and still be in truth, and, and he began to speak of things in where it would say trembling, and people were like, well, what, what does trembling mean, like in the fear of God, what does trembling mean, like does, does it really mean tremble, or, and it means a true fear. It means trembling. And he talked about fear as well. Well, what's it mean to fear God? You know, I believe God's a loving God, and I, sh- I shouldn't fear him, you know. Just just love him. Like, that's what he is. He's all all sunshine and rainbows and that, and just not taking away from the word. And as he spoke that, and he spoke of some of the things of men of God in the Bible who feared God and what true fear of God was, it, it began to make me realize, do I have that true fear of God in me? And how serious that is. And I begin to pray that the Lord would give me that fear. Um, I think not realizing how true that fear is. Uh, when you begin to pray for things and God begins to answer them, I think sometimes if we're not careful, which I thank the Lord that he answers prayers, but we may not actually want what we pray that we want. I remember a time where I prayed that the Lord would break me apart and put me back together again. And then when that begins to happen, you realize, wow, this this isn't exactly what I was thinking. You know, man, he's really listening to me and he's really starting to break me apart. And this isn't this isn't comfortable. Like, man, I was I was excited for for this growth that was gonna happen and all these things, but not realizing I'm gonna have to go through this breaking process, this hardship, all these things. And and then as I begin to pray about this fear of God, knowing that I didn't have a true fear of God, but as I begin to pray that and then God began to answer that prayer. He realized, man, this is a very serious thing that it can't be taken lightly, just like anything else in the word can't be. But it's it's just something that's made me not think about what I pray more so because obviously if the Lord leads me to pray something, I want to pray that. But to realize when it starts to happen, not going to God, be like, man, God, what, what is this? Why am I going through this? What? And then looking back and saying, oh, this it's because I prayed this, because God's answering prayer. I think a lot of times we may look and say, man, I don't see God answering this prayer of healing or this struggle that I'm going through. But then you can look back and realize, well, this struggle that I'm praying ends is actually I prayed it upon myself. And it's the Lord working things in you. And I'm getting a little bit ahead of the scriptures that I have here. But uh, let's continue on for a minute. Uh, If you notice in in verse 2, it says, Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he saw the joy that was coming. He said, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And if you, if you think about that, God, God's, Jesus saw what was coming. He saw the joy before him, but he still endured this pain. That's why in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed, Lord, like, if, it, if it be okay, like, remove this cup from me. And obviously, this isn't word for word, but Lord, remove this cup from me. 
And then he says, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done, because he saw what God was wanting to do in him and through him, and what would come after that if he followed through with what God was leading him to do. If we go to verse 5, it says, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not now, or despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. This is again what we read in Proverbs 3. Nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Sounds exactly the same as Proverbs 3. And verse 7 says, If ye endure a chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons? Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh whom correcteth, corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. And when I think of the fear of God and hearing about this chastening, it's, it's not comfortable. Uh, I think it says it here in uh, verse 11. I'll read this as well. It says, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Obviously, we don't, we don't necessarily see what's going to be coming after all of the pain, all of the struggle, all of that God's trying to do in us. It's not comfortable. It says it's not joyous in the time that it's happening. It's not comfortable in the time that it's happening. It hurts. But in the end, what God has in store for after that, for what he's going to be doing, when you endure that the way it says, we know that Jesus is is an example of how we're supposed to live, of what we're supposed to do. And if Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, if he endured the cross, then aren't we supposed to endure these things that God has put in us for what's set before us as well? And then I read it in verse, where is it at here? In verse number 12, it says, Wherefore, lift up the, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. And it's, again, look, look at what's coming, what's before you. You can look in the moment and see all this pain and this stuff, but just know it's for the will of God and what he's doing. And to lift up your head and to walk in that faith that God is doing something in you. And that it says, he, the Lord chastens his sons. If you, if you aren't receiving that, if, if you've been hearing a word of God and you've been ignoring the word of God, I say that from, unfortunately, doing that at times, ignoring the word of God. And if, if you stop hearing that word of God, then I feel like that's something that should cause you to be afraid because it's the Lord realizing, no, this person hasn't done what I've been asking them to do. So I'm, I'm just going to let them have their will. We know that God won't, he won't force his will upon us. And so when we ignore what he's speaking to us and then that word stops and us having not changed what he's been speaking to us about, then that's something we should be afraid of because it means God's letting us to have our own will. And that doesn't mean he won't forgive us if we run to him, but it just means that he's finally saying, okay, I, this is what they want, and I'm just going to leave them be. Man, can we just pray for a minute? Jesus' name. Hito reseye arabataye arabaha. 
Lord, let your word speak to our hearts, O God, as you intend. God, that it be your voice speaking and not my own, Jesus. Yendo rosi araramai ende reki araramaso reteye ereye. God, that we would lay hold on your grace that is extended to us. Hito rosi ereme ende reki araramaso reteye aramaha. Lord, to realize the time and the season and what you're trying to do in your body and in your people. In Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, in Hebrews 12. Verse number 21, it's Moses uh, speaking. It's referring to Moses from the Old Testament. And at a time when God ascended on the mount and the people of Israel saw this happening. Um, if you want to go read it in another time, I won't turn there. But it's in Exodus chapter 19, um, verse 16. Uh, and there on in the rest of that chapter. But um, And it's saying, so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But then it begins to speak about us, and it says, But ye are coming to Mount Sion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. Man, that sounds like something that would cause me to fear and quake, an innumerable number. I mean, obviously, we can't put a number on that, but <laughs> that's just something that in itself we can't understand, but says, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. And this is the part I really want to notice, verses 25 um, till the end of that chapter. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall we not shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And these these next verses are when you when you allowed the Lord to correct you and chasten you and do these things in you, it, it begins to take out all the things that that are movable, that are swaying. I was listening to a message today where it was it was Brother Wright, and he was reading in James how a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways and uh, talks about um, being like a wave driven in the wind and tossed and and that when you when you don't allow the Lord to do these things in you, to establish these things in you, that you can just be tossed around, that you're not stable, you're not established, you're not firm on God and what he's doing. You don't have that true fear and reverence for God and what he's wanting to do. And if we continue reading in verse 27, 
it says, and this word, and this word yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, those things that aren't established, those things that can be moved, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. And I don't know if you, if you notice what it says there. I understand that there's different things. God speaks to different people at different times. But in verse 28, where it says that we, and this is a promise from God. In verse 26, it says he hath promised us. And then here in verse 28, it says, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Man, if we don't allow the Lord to do this chastening in us and we're still unstable, we're not grounded in him and what he's wanting to do, then we're not going to be a part of this kingdom because we can be moved. And the only things that will be in this kingdom are things that cannot be shaken when he, where it says, and this word yet once more signify the removing of those things that are shaken. When he speaks that word, if we are not firm and steadfast and we're still gone with the wind and tossed, then we won't be a part of that kingdom. We won't be a part of that promise. And when we begin to have that reverence and that fear that it speaks of, that we will be established, we will be a part of that and that promise that he has for us. And as I just begin to read this today, there's so many things lately where I've been hearing people talk of revelation and promises, and when I hear it, you know, I, I want to receive it, and I just, it's, I'm, it's not hitting the same way as it's being conveyed, if that makes sense. But then when I read this today, the Lord just began to reveal it to me and just show me these things and how, God, I want to endure everything, whatever it takes, God, that I won't be shaken, that when you speak and all these things shake, God, that I will be firm in your word, that I will be firm in your kingdom, God, that I will be a part of your kingdom, Lord. God, that I will not be shaken, Lord. God, that nothing in this earth is more important than what you have in store for me, for your people, Lord. God, that I'm willing to lay it all down for you and for what you are wanting to do in your kingdom and in your body, oh God. Man, that's all I have. So if you're waiting on me to say more, that's all I have. If we could just wait on him and let this word speak to us right now. Lord, I pray that you would establish that fear in the hearts of your people. God, for us that truly desire to be a part of your kingdom. God, that no matter what you ask of us, we are willing to obey, Lord. No matter the pain, but we realize that it's out of love from a father to a son. A father that correcteth, a father that reaches, a father that is never too far away, no matter how far we run. Lord, I pray, never stop reaching to me when I ignore you, oh God. Lord, continue to reveal yourself to me through your word, oh God. 
Continue to reveal yourself to me through seeking you, forgiving myself to you. Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Not my will, but thine be done. Man, it's a hard prayer to, to pray with sincerity, but that's why when Jesus prayed it in the garden, he shed drops of blood. It said because of the agony that he shed drops of blood when he prayed, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Because of the weight that what God was asking him to do, because of what that had, because realizing he truly had to give up everything and go on with what the God had planned for him. And but when we begin to pray that the things that God begins to do and work in his people and we begin to pray that together, the unity that it brings in us when our mindset is on whatever God wants us to do, no matter where we are, no matter where he has us individually and collectively, the unity that we'll have when we begin to do that is God can do so much in and through his people. So. Amen. I'd like you to turn to Romans chapter 1. While Brother Ethan was speaking, the Lord brought a verse or a passage to my mind that I know this phrase well enough from hearing it enough times, but admittedly I did not know who it was talking about or, or why it was talking about them. So what, what if he's not elder, younger heart, brother, younger heart, what Brother Hart was speaking about was the love of a father that will, in my terms, get their kid in trouble. The love of the father that will get the kid in trouble. Not the attitude, not the um, pride, not the... Certainly not the joy of the father that will get their kid in trouble. Do you understand that's what it means to chasten? To chasten means to tell you what you did wrong and point that out to you. If you, it, most of us dads and moms, we've we've if we've had to do it more than just once or twice, we've gotten over the fun of getting our kids in trouble, and it lo no longer becomes fun. It becomes your job. So I think about that with my heavenly father. I'm thankful that he is long-suffering and that he will chasten me as much as he needs to, as much as I cause him to need to. Uh, he will do that, and I'm thankful for that. But there, there comes a point where he will no longer do that. And really, he'll do it as long as we would allow him to. 
So the point which he will no longer do it is the point that I stop allowing him to do it. I'm 34 years old. My dad is, I don't know, around 60. I'll spare him the detail. He's around 60 years old. If he called me tonight and said, hey, I, I want to impart some fatherly wisdom to you. And I, I, I remembered it because of something that maybe you uh, did back when you were a teenager. Uh, he's not getting me in trouble again for that. But if he's got some knowledge to share with me from a lesson of that, I still want to hear it. I want to learn it. My age has nothing to do with it. You see, we have a society that says, maybe you can tell me uh, what to do until I'm a teenager. Maybe. But uh, there's enough of our, our world that we know, mom and dad, sooner or later, I'm going to get to the point where you can't tell me what to do anymore. And we promote that and to some degree just as a society well when are you going to grow up when are you going to stop telling me what to do when are you going to grow up when are you going to stop telling me and it's a back and forth when I get to the point that I won't let him tell me what to do he'll stop telling me what to do the scripture in Romans, it's in Romans 1 and 28, the, 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 the phrase that I, that I felt the Lord speak to me was, people that the Lord turns over to a reprobate mind. That's not a common phrase. We don't use that term. Um, so admittedly, we probably don't even know exactly what it means. That's what I was telling you. I know it's in there. I know that if the Bible says, God would turn someone over to a reprobate mind. It's truth because it's in the word. So my question right now is who and why would he turn someone over to a reprobate mind? A reprobate mind means a mind that is not functioning the way that it's supposed to function. God created us with this mind just like he gave us the flesh, he gave us the mind, he gave us all the attributes of our human nature, including our minds. Okay, so he, he created us with the capacity to learn and grow and mature and understand. So we have the capacity to do that, but are we doing it? Are we are we doing it at the right pace? It would actually probably be the better question. Uh, are, am I growing and maturing the way that I'm supposed to? Because I've got scripture precedent here that if I don't, he will turn me over to a reprobate mind to where he basically lifts the work of his spirit, the work of his word and his truth off of me and says... Okay, you proved to me you want to go that way. You proved that with your actions, with your thoughts, with your continued unrepented lifestyle. There's a word we're going to throw out here in a minute, unrighteousness. You proved it to me with your continued unrighteousness. So I'm going to allow you 
to go that way. Brother Ethan referenced this. He's not going to force his will on us. The, the whole verse in Romans 128, it says, Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Verse 29, it says, being filled with all unrighteousness, and here comes the laundry list, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God. Man, this does not sound like a nice group of people, does it? Haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things. Catch that phrase. Inventors. In, you know that word's in the Bible? In the King James Version. People can invent evil things. Disobedient to parents, Lord have mercy. Without understanding, without understanding, Covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who, who, this group of people that we just talked about, who knowing the judgment of God. So we're talking about a qualified group of people here. People who know the judgment of God. I almost asked you to raise your hand if you know, but I'm not going to make you commit to that. But people who know the judgment of God, that they, would, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. They know the judgment of God is if you commit these things, you deserve to die. Is that plain enough? That's the group we're talking about that he turned over to a reprobate mind. Not only do the same but have pleasure in them that do them. Okay, that's the second half of what Paul is talking about here in Romans chapter 1. So he gave us a little bit of a glimpse of who these people are that God turns over to a reprobate mind. It's got to be the people who know the judgment of God and know that continuing to do these things in unrighteousness is deserving of the penalty of death. Jump back to verse 16, if you will, in chapter 1. Now, this starts off with a very positive-sounding note. We know this part of the Scripture. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Amen to that. That's his introduction to what we're talking about here, okay? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Verse 17, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. We're going to talk about two elements really quickly. The righteousness of God is here. Therein, in what? The gospel, which he's not ashamed of. In the gospel... The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just 
shall live by faith. Now also, the righteousness of God is revealed here, but the next verse introduces us to the second element. The wrath of God is revealed. The wrath of God. Why do we... If for no other reason, why do we fear and reverence the Lord? Why do we acknowledge him in all our ways? If for no other reason. I'm telling you, there are many other reasons. But if for no other reason, the wrath of God is something that is real. It's revealed in the gospel, which Paul is saying I'm not ashamed of. It's not all sunshine and rainbows and flowers and feel-good stuff. I mean, it can be if you want it and allow it to be. But there's two sides to this coin. The righteousness of God is revealed here. Also, the wrath of God is revealed here. Against who or what? Against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Ooh, that doesn't sound nice. I like the other verse about the, the one re, where the righteousness of God is revealed and we live by faith. The just go from faith to faith. That's, that's, that's where I want to live. But Paul is telling us when the light shines, when the light of the gospel shines on men, it's going to reveal every work of every man. Let me say that again. When the light of the gospel shines on men, it will reveal all works of all men. Starting over in 18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who, who hold the truth in unrighteousness. There is our qualified group, in case you missed it. The men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. These are not barbarians. I think Paul uses that term sometimes. These are not ignorant. These are Men who hold the truth of God in unrighteousness. What does it mean to hold the truth of God in unrighteousness? To hold the truth means you possess the knowledge of truth. Okay? I'm holding my phone. All right? I'm holding my phone. I'm holding my phone inside a building, am I not? So we got two elements. I possess something, and I am in somewhere. So those who hold the truth in unrighteousness, it speaks to people who know better. Amen? Amen? It speaks to people who know better, those who hold the truth in unrighteousness. The wrath of God 
is revealed against this group. Verse 19, because that which may be known of God is manifest to them. That which may be known, I'm going slow, I know this, and I'm I'm repeating things because I want to make sure we hear it and see it. That which may be known of God, that's the truth. It's manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. Again, we're talking about the qualified group of people that God would turn over to a reprobate mind. Okay? That's what we're talking about here. Those who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because God has shown. If, if I was to go out of this building and find someone who has never learned anything about the gospel they exist it's it's probably more rare than we would think but they do exist if i was to go find a person such as that i could not sit them here and say let's review your awful sinful dirty disgusting lifestyle and look how unrighteous you are they don't possess the truth they don't hold the truth They're just unrighteous because they're a human. They're born in sin, like we all are. So this is not talking about that type of a person. This is talking about a, I said it before, it's talking about a person who knows better. Because God has shown them things, spoken to them, revealed to them. Verse 20, it says, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Man, the more you read, the kind of the more grim this passage gets, doesn't it? It's just going to whittle this group of people down to where we can really see why he would turn them over to a reprobate mind. They understand the Godhead. We know that God was there at the beginning and he created the world. All things, John 1, 1, all things were made with the word in the beginning. And, and I know these things. I've got the understanding. <laughs> Time out for a second. That verse right there, verse 20, should take away a lot of the mystique that we Christians love to wrap the gospel in. I'm sorry, that was, that was not nice of me to say. But that's just what the scripture says. It's clearly seen. But we're more comfortable saying, ooh, uh, this knowledge that I possess, these great, awesome things that the Lord has revealed to me, so powerful, and you wouldn't even know. Sorry. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just making us see. Verse 20 is taking away excuses. 
verse 21. Because that when they knew God, when they knew God, not if, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. This is, think, think for a second, this is Paul writing to the church in Rome. As most of us know, Rome in this day was about as dark and sinful of a place that existed on the earth. It was Roman custom. It was Roman culture to be vulgar. This is the, so this is the group of people that Paul is addressing here. But again, he's not talking about, oh, you poor Romans that are there in that dark, filthy place. You just have to be exposed to this. Nope. He's talking to the group that has seen and known and been revealed the truth of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to walk around even through the streets of Rome where this sin is going on over here and this sin is going on over. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Ooh, you better not say that or people are going to start thinking you're judging them. I mean, we're talking about the wrath of God here. We're talking about taking a stand for righteousness. You're, he, he's saying, I'm not ashamed to take a stand for righteousness. In the face of a sinful culture. It's the power of God to salvation to all that believe. Why would I be ashamed of that? Professing, verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness. I, I hope you're hearing what the Lord is trying to say to us tonight. He's a loving father. He's a caring father. He does not want any harm to befall any of us. He is not willing that any should perish. He doesn't want to see one soul lost and die in their sins. He's a loving father.
Verse 26, it says, for this cause, for this reason. God gave them up unto vile affections. In 28 again, it says, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. They weren't making a place to retain God in their knowledge, to remember God, to reverence God in their knowledge. You can't do both. Oh, sorry, I'm I'm trying to be nice. You can't do, you can't reverence God, revere him, respect him. while also doing all the things you know that he hates. I think that's about as plain as I can put it. I can't call myself a good son to my dad if every choice and decision I make is one I know he would not be pleased with. You just can't. It doesn't work that way. So... Either he is reverenced, feared, and respected, or by their actions, he sees that he is not reverenced, feared, and respected. He doesn't just start sending evil things to happen to them. He's not punishing them. This is not Egypt where he's sending plagues. Oh, you want to go against my word? Here, have some locusts. That's not what's happening. The wrath of God is him just, like I said, taking his hand off of their mind. You want to go that way? You've proven to me you want to go that way. I'm just going to let you. I'm just going to let you. That's what it means to be turned over to a reprobate mind. Not God changed their mind from this glorious angelic little angel to, oh, no, I'm going to make you bad. Doesn't, that's not what he's doing. He, he's just saying, you've shown me, you've proven to me. I'm thankful that my oldest child is only 12 years old because I have not had to walk some roads that some of you parents with older children have had to walk. I admit that openly, and I'm thankful I wish my oldest child could stay 12 years old and I could just freeze time. And right now where I'm telling you they've never done anything wrong. That's not true. I know they've done things wrong. But me as the father, in my mind, I see them. Noel's giving me the big eyes back there. Are we going to go there, Dad? But in my love for them, 
I don't sit here and remember and, and list all the bad stuff they've done. Oh, I love you, but remember four years ago when you did this and I told you not to? Mm, sorry. <laughs> That's ridiculous of me as a father to do that. I, I just, I love them and I see them as perfect little angels. 99.9% of the time. That is the view that my father has of me, my heavenly father has of me, as long as, it, 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 it's not because they've never done, I mean, they make messes, and believe it or not, they don't even pick them up when you tell them to pick them up sometimes. Boy, we're working on that. They argue with each other when you tell them to just stop. I mean, we can go down that road if we want to. But I'm not sitting here, again, I'm not sitting here saying, I'm going to roll out everything wrong you've done before you and hold you accountable to each thing in my love as a father. That's his love towards all of us. The moment I choose the prodigal son, think about that for a minute. The moment that I choose to repent and turn and head back to my father, reverencing him, acknowledging him, uh, seeking his forgiveness, he will forgive. He will forgive. Why don't you stand with me? Last, I was at the, in the Union Gap Church last night, and this scripture came up that Paul says in, in Romans 7. He says, I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. think it would be helpful. I, I, I'm not telling you that you don't know that or don't believe that. I just think it would be helpful for all of us to have that reminder really fast while we're talking about this. In my flesh, there is no good thing. I mean, those later scriptures in, in chapter one that talked about all that, the list of these people, those are just attributes of the flesh. Talk, look it up in Galatians, the, the works of the flesh. So in my flesh, there is no good thing. Even Paul would say that. So my choice, my, my crossroads here is, do I simply choose to accept that, confess that, Father, in me there is no good thing. All I can do is throw myself at your feet. Throw myself at your mercy. And then say, thank you for being merciful. That's all I can do.
we pray. Lord, we're thankful to you. We're thankful to you for being our loving Father, for being our caring Father. We're thankful to you that you would look past our failures, that you would look past our shortcomings. God, and that you would be forgiving and loving and kind, that you would be merciful. In the name of Jesus, God, I open myself up to your chastening, to your criticism, to your instruction, because I know it's done with love, it's done with wisdom, it's done with caring, Father. I'm thankful that you are my heavenly Father that loves me. I'm thankful that you are my heavenly Father that cares about me, that knows what is best for me. I'm thankful to you, Father. I'm thankful to you, Father. I'm thankful to you, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. prodigal son, he said, I have sinned against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. We have a uh, head start on him because, if we're honest, we know we never were worthy to be called his sons. That's not the point. That's not what it's about. Because, again, in my flesh, I'm not worthy of any of this, all I know is, like it said there, these actions are punishable by death, according to his law. So I am not worthy. That's not the point, though. He calls me his son because he is my father. He chose me. He chose you. Well, Lewis, I'm going to ask you to close in prayer. Right there, if we could just be sensitive to the spirit of the Lord moving in this place right now. Andorio Shondoria Masyotoria. Let's just take our time. He's here in this place. Iandoria Masyondoria Shotoria. Father, you are good. Hallelujah. You are faithful, Lord. Hallelujah. We worship you, we worship you, hallelujah. 
Iandoria masyondoria, iriosyandoria syotoria. Hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah. Lord, you've made a way when there was no way, Father. You called us to this. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Blessed be your name, Lord. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we give ourselves to you, Lord God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If there's anything in our lives, Lord God, that shouldn't be there, Father, reveal it, Lord God. Remove it, Father, I pray. Hallelujah, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We want our lives, Lord God, to be the way you desire them to be. Hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I want my life to be what he wants it to be. Amen. We got to yield ourselves to him. Amen. You're all dismissed. But never from his presence. Amen.